Ooh, that was that went badly. Uh, hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Double Feature Podcast, a special Disco Fever edition, because we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Um, this is my uh, co-host Terry. Say hello, Terry. Hello, Terry. I thought you were yawning then. No, I was doing. I was doing a fantastic reference to uh, Star Trek. Um, <laughs> yes, it was real good and definitely clear. Um, yes, Star Trek Discovery. We're three episodes in, which. We were going to do this last week, but then couldn't for life reasons. But it's kind of worked out because um, of the way these have, structure, have been structured, I think. Uh, we had... Uh, oh, oh, it's, it's a spoiler edition, I guess we should say that. Is it, we're going to talk about spoilers? Yes. Uh, yeah, why not? Yes, Let's talk about spoilers. spoilers. Let's assume the, the audience has seen the show. Yes. Because um, really, if you have, you're not watching the show, why would you be listening to a review? I mean, yes. Um, okay, so what have we had? We've had two episodes. We had two episodes that released initially, so that was the week before last, which were the Vulcan Hello and the Battle of the Binary Stars, where we sort of hung out on the Shenzhou with uh, Michael Burnham, our main character, Sonequa Martin Green, and uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Giorgio, and Saru, who is the best, uh, played by Doug Jones. And then that all got taken away from us, and we got. Basically, a, a, episode three was also a pilot uh, where we met a whole bunch of new characters and a new ship and actually got introduced to the concept of the show. So it's been, it kind of works out that we talk about it now, but just before the show starts going proper, um, starts the starts proper. Um, yes, I, I've generally liked Star Trek Discovery so far, even though it's had an older beginning. Have you, have you generally speaking? Um, yes, but before we get into that, I've got one question that's annoying me. Hit me. When does this take place? That is an excellent... Okay, that's an excellent question for me. Oh, it's interesting that you don't know. Do you know... Okay, so do you know how the two different Star Trek universes work? No. Oh, we should really, we should really start this off with saying Tim's the Trek nerd and I'm not. I've seen um, Next Generation and that's it. Um, yes. So we'll get that out straight straight away. But continue. Yes. Um, so there's two different Star Trek timelines. There's what's there's the original timeline, which kind of covered which everything up to 2005, everything made from 2000 from 1966 to 2005 are all kind of in this one timeline. And then in the 2009 J.J. Abrams film, Spock goes back in time. And splits the timeline, so that's why. It's, so Leonard Nimoy spot goes back in time to before, to just when Kirk is born, and somehow that splits the timeline and creates an alternate universe, and that's where the J.J. Abrams films exist. Uh, I think that's how it works. He might just go to an, a completely different timeline. It's not very clear, um, and it's not worth thinking about generally. So, except that maybe that means that Enterprise, the series Star Trek Enterprise, takes place in both. But I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's com too complicated to think about. Point is, it does kind of split Star Trek into two universes, the movie one and the TV one. Um, that. The new movie <laughs> one and the TV and old movie one, uh, which is convenient for legal reasons that I don't fully understand. Uh, Star Trek Discovery takes place in the TV one, so the one with William Shatner and... Yeah all the other TV series, not the one with Chris Pine. Uh, it takes place 10 years. I think they say this. I don't know if they say this at the start 
or it's definitely in what's been in one of the trailers. It takes place 10 years before the original William Shatner adventures. Ah, that makes sense. Because I knew enough about original series to know that they were at war with the Klingons. But then in Next Gen, which I've seen, their allies, I'm like, when the hell does this take place? Well, they kind of, war again, so. yeah, but, they do kind of, it goes on and off. I mean, I think they have a war with the Klingons in Deep Space Nine, but then everyone becomes friends and, well, they whack, they whack some guy and then someone else ends up in charge. Anyway, it's, it's sort of on and off. It's not like there's def- defined good guys and bad guys in Star Trek so, uh, so much. Um, All right, well, that clears things up. It's a prequel to the original series. Yeah, generally speaking, but not the other prequel. That's a prequel to both series. Um, and having said that, I mean, that's it in theory. I don't think there's anything in this that definitively ties it to uh, happening in either particular. I mean, if you wanted to think of this as a prequel to the um, the J.J. Abrams films, you probably could. I mean, I'm not going to, and it's not what's intended, but... I think it's there's nothing in it that says it definitely isn't that. Um, it also uh, no, I mean there's there's arguments about that apart from a few references, it could sort of take place a hundred years after the last TV Star Trek we saw, but uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really work. Anyway. Well, fair enough. We've cleared that up. Yes, it's interesting because yeah, it uh, it's. It's uh, it kind of on the one hand it's that's unclear, but it, I don't think it matters that much really to sort of what you get day to day. It's sort of an odd question you might ask yourself, but you're not gonna. There isn't so much continuity that you're going to be constantly wondering what's going on. I don't think, which is good. I think that's good. No, I don't, I don't think that anything really had me trying to connect it. It was, it was just that the war with the Klingons thing caused. I haven't seen everything, so like I know they were at war in the in the original series, but then they were allies in next gen. So I couldn't figure out if this was its own thing, or if it's after everything else, or if it was before it. So that clears it up. It's before it. So it's before that. Um, that clears it all up for me. Yes. Ah, well, okay. So there's one other element that um, I'm guessing you might not be aware of in that case. So the old Vulcan guy, who is Michael Burnham's space dad, is Spock's real dad. Okay. So, yes. So when she speaks about uh, her stepmother uh, reading her Alice in Wonderland, that's Spock's mum. So that makes her Spock's sister? Uh, well, uh, I mean, I say sister, uh, or, da- or space daughter, or dads, but she, uh, Sarek, uh, Spock's dad, calls her his ward, not like his stepdaughter or anything, so I don't know how yeah. Vulcans work. Uh, anyway, yes, that's, we've muddled through all the continuity, um, probably. Um, did you, did you like Star Trek Discovery so far? I have liked it. Um, I thought the opening scene with the Klingons talking in their Klingon language about Starfleet taking their culture and whatnot and how they should revolt against them. 
I really like that. And I found myself siding with the Klingons for the first two episodes, um, despite that they're all looking like creatures from the Black Lagoon. Um, but yeah, I really like that. And then you had this very striking uh, opening for um, the captain. What's her name? Captain. Which one? The captain. Yeah, of the Shenzhou. Yeah, uh, Captain Jujio. Yeah, and um, Michael, which threw me off as well. I'm like, I'm sure that's a girl. They're calling her Michael, but I've adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt like in, when they're in the desert, I was waiting for Mad Max to come past um, <laughs> in his car and being chased by Immortal Im- Joe. Um, but that was pretty cool. But then I thought, why are they going down to shoot a well? It seems something that they should delegate to one of the other officers, not for the top two officers of of the um, yeah, of the Star Trek of the Star Yes, yes it, it seems a little bit. Um, <laughs> they just need to get out of the house. There, they've got cabin fever or something. <laughs> we need to get out and do something besides be on this ship. That's what I was thinking. Could be, yeah, I mean, it's that's been, I mean, a structural issue in Star Trek since 1968, when, when yes, it was always like, you know, Captain Kirk and First Officer Mr. Spock would always be the ones going to the planet, uh, <laughs> and they'd leave Scotty in charge, who was probably drunk, and take three guys who then got shot. It's, yeah, it's been an odd conceit of the show that it's always needed... It's always been about the captain and the people in charge, but also they have to get in on the action. I mm. mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because it's not that dangerous what they're doing. They're just going down to look at a well, so maybe they just want to. They want to, yes, get out of the spaceship and see some space stuff and yeah. talk about stuff. So I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's just part of the conceit of the show that that happens sometimes for some reason. It's funny Picard never really did that much. He sat in his spaceship most of the time yeah majority of the time he did get out and do some stuff but majority of the time there was like a conscious decision with tng they kind of realized it was a bit silly um to have everyone to have the captain constantly going down to the planet and getting turned into a stone man or whatever or having to fight the mobsters or the nazis and uh yeah so Riker became the action man um in Star Trek TNG. And then uh, I think they continue that in Voyager, uh, where Chakotay is kind of an action man, sort of, but to a much lesser extent, and Janeway kind of stays on the ship, except, you know, when they have to go and do something incredibly dangerous, and then Janeway's like, I'm going to do it. That's a terrible accent. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, but... And I guess this takes place before they figured out that they shouldn't send the captain. So I guess it kind of makes sense. I don't know why. Uh, surely they've got someone else a bit more, um, I don't know, a bit more of an expert in wells. Then let's go and shoot it, and that'll fix the problem. <laughs> yes, these stuff. How are you going to fix the captain's bill? Shoot it. Uh, yeah. Surely they could have shot it from space. They didn't need to go down there. Well, then we wouldn't get established what's going on. Um, which brings <laughs> us to, to a, a minor critique I have of uh, all three episodes that we've seen. They, it's a, an 
It's okay. I mean, I think actually, uh, before we go on, I'm going to clarify. It typically Star Trek series have taken about two seasons to. Um, the early seasons have, or sort of of that '90s Trek going on from. Um, they take a long time to actually be even remotely interesting. Um, well, actually, that's not true. They take a long time to hit their stride and figure out what they're supposed to be doing. This has hit the this has hit the ground running very much so. It's um it's had an odd start, um given that we had two two the pilot episodes were basically a prequel and then we get another pilot episode, um. But uh, yes, so uh, all three episodes have kind of suffered for some clunky exposition. I mean, it's quite clear that there are. The, the, the conversations that take place on the desert planet as they're shooting going on um, in episode three uh, context is for kings uh, both Anthony Rapps, Stamets and uh, Jason Isaacs as Captain Lorca um, just get moments to explain stuff to us which don't make that much sense um, it's par for the course I think in all science fiction TV but it's just quite obvious here I think well, you know, I liked that we've had the two prequel episodes, if if that's what we're going to call them. Because um, otherwise, if we come into it on this third episode, it I think it'd be very jarring to see the lead first officer, or the first officer from, like, Michael, what's the face, uh, Burnham, as a prisoner. And we'd be scratching our heads, and yes, it'll be a cool mystery to look back at and that. But I'd rather just get all that done out of the way, and we've seen what happened, we've understood why she's done stuff, and, and now how she's the prisoner and that. Um, uh, I don't know. I think it, it could have functioned well enough, I guess, if you're just like, oh yeah, she committed mutiny and she started a war. So if that's really all you need to know. And as much as I complain about exposition, someone could have brought that up. I think they basically do um, in episode three at the start with the prisoners when they're discussing she's on a prison ship going to somewhere via a storm. A space is big, just go around the storm. Um, and it's 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 very it's quite jarring to have these characters, I guess, established uh, and then taken away. And then episode three is trying to. To us, trying to hit its stride, but then also introducing all these new characters. Uh, Jason Isaacs as Captain Lorca, who is the main captain of the show, doesn't turn up till episode three. Uh, we meet Cadet Tilly, we meet Anthony Rapp uh, as Stamets, uh, we meet Tori from Battlestar Galactica as Landry. Uh, that was interesting. My God, she is an amazing actress. Um, and it's so it's it's again we sort of meet all these people who don't matter um, for the most part. Um, apart from Saru and I think the the, the Helms lady, uh, yeah. who has a non-speaking role in uh, episode three, none of that stuff really is relevant. None of the people we meet are relevant. Um, they're quite different tonally, I think. Like, the first two feel quite desperate and action-oriented, but very much, I thought, had a very 
strong Star Trek vibe in terms of what they're trying to do. They're, as much as they're sort of fighting the Klingons, they're looking for the diplomatic option and they don't want to fight. And that opening scene is fantastic because they're, they're on a on a planet. They're saving the planet by opening this well. Um, they're not there to shoot anyone. They're there to just kind of keep this culture alive. Uh, it's, it's good. Um, and then episode three is very... It's it's very Battlestar Galactica and also has a Battlestar Galactica person in it. It's it's all about secret missions and moody captains and poor lighting and body horror. Um, it's very different tonally and it's it's a whole new set of information to get caught up on. And you know what I that's that's my jam. I love the body horror. I love the surly captain in there and his secrets and what he's playing in that and. It was a lot darker than any Trek I've seen before, um, episode three. And I even messaged you throughout it and went, is this much gore? Like, is this a Trek thing to have so much gore in it? And you're like, no, it's new. And like, that's good. I like, I like gore. Um, so it felt very, episode three felt like alien. It felt like an, like something that would take place in that sort of realm in the alien, um, verse. Uh, it was that dark, and uh, it, it really got me, episode three. I was really good at getting into it, um, which I was very surprised that I wasn't expecting that sort of tone from it. And then I was very happy by the end of it. Went, yay! Um, it's interesting. I think, I mean, I think you'll find, I suspect, I don't really have any proof of this because I haven't done an exhaustive survey. Um, I think you'll find that people who enjoyed the first two episodes didn't so much enjoy the third and vice versa. I think it's kind of going to come down to taste as much as anything. Like some people will like certain things and some mm. people will like the other. There'll be, I mean, it's not going to be a universal fact, but I think that's, I wouldn't be surprised if you looked around and found that was the case. I guess, I mean, you say it looks like aliens and that just kind of, I think there's going to be this question for me at least that I don't think we'll get a definitive answer on until the series is ended, which is whether this is really properly and actually feels like Star Trek, which is kind of a silly question to ask, to be honest. Um, it's it's interesting. It, I mean, it's kind of got to shoulder what being Star Trek, whatever that means, uh, is... Um, right now, we've kind of, I mean, the show went off air. The last Star Trek season ended in 2005, so that was 12 years ago. Um, in that time, we've had what are basically some space opera action movies um, st from J.J. Abrams and co. Uh, Star Trek Beyond has some good, uh, sort of had very a very good sense that it was properly Star Trek. Um, the first two, I thought, were not so great at that. I like the first one. Star Trek Into Darkness wasn't good. It was just references and stupid stuff, winging up Spock. Um, so, the, yeah, it's got that question kind of hanging over it, whether all this spy games and moody lights and such is what Star Trek should be, which is kind of a silly question, admittedly, because um, it's just got to be good TV where they go and explore stuff in space. Really, that's all it needs to be. But I think there's sort of a a philosophical question of whether this truly is what Star Trek is meant to be. I don't think that'll be answered. I don't think that matters. It's just going to be something I'm going to wonder until I've seen how all this plays out. Hmm. Uh, 
it, it, it's funny when you're thinking about it, the, like there is a major tone shift between the first two episodes and the third. Yes, and but that's kind of reflective of Bun- Burnham's character because she's the Starfleet officer in the first one and it's all, there's like action to do and there's missions to do and it's very strategic. And, um, and then the third one, she's a prisoner. So she goes to a very dark place um, in herself and shuts herself off from everyone really. Um, but that could be the Vulcan in her as well, just being a tight ass. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed all of it, but I really like the third one more, but mainly because I'm a horror fan. So it kind of, the, the tone, the tone appealed to me a lot more than the first two. But it's very pretty as well. The space scenes, her shooting through space and all that. How pretty is it? Yeah, it, like, yeah. The, the cinematography is very, very strong. And the design is quite strong as well. Um, uh, we may as well mention this. So there's been a lot of nerd talk throughout the trailers and I think still at the moment of people complaining that it's not consistent with all the other stuff. I don't think any of the other stuff is consistent with itself anyway, so this may as well look like a product of 2017. Um, I think, it, yeah, the space stuff looks good. I like a lot of the design. I like the design of the uniforms and the spaceships and that big Klingon spaceship. It was good. Mm. Did you like the look of the Klingons? I've heard people um, quite annoyed by it that they have no hair or something. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fine. I think they work. I think, yeah, I think they're very, very striking. All their, their clothes, their sort of, you know, their costuming and their spaceship. Um, the makeup, there is sort of this problem that it's very difficult to act through these huge layers of makeup. There's only a few actors, I think, Michael Dawn, who played Wolf, and... Um, uh, that British guy who's really great, not John Hurt, the other one who played the Klingon guy in Star Trek VI and was in Chain of Command Part Two. I don't remember his name, but he's great. There's uh, one I'm only thinking of Alan Rickman in Galaxy Quest. No, yeah, well, even Alan Rickman in Galaxy Quest, I'd say, is quite good <laughs> at it. Um, there's only a few people who can really act and emote through that level of makeup, um, so that's a bit of an issue. Regarding the, des- regard, like, I mean, there's like, the Klingons are what like a space empire, so they have live on like, at least a few different planets and presumably fill those planets up to a good degree. Some of them have hair and some of them don't. There's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I, like, I think they also have a definite idea of fashion, so maybe this was just the fashion at the time. I don't think it matters, and I don't, like, <laughs> I don't want to watch a Star Trek where the cultures are so... Now, yes, this is the show where they go to the gangster planet and what have you. But I don't want to watch a Star Trek where the where the cultures are that monotonous or what have you. That I mean, it's it's impossible that some group of people at some point in time don't have hair. I mean, it's very silly. They just shave their heads. Maybe they take whatever the opposite of plugs is. I don't know. And they can just be bald. <laughs> Uh, is it is it a, a apocalypse now? I'm just imagining the um that the Lee Klingon at the start just standing there with the cream on his head and the cutthroat just right shaving yeah. his head. 
<laughs> I think he would absolutely be doing that. He'd be like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, yes, we don't we don't have time for such high tone film references here. It'd be like Vin Diesel in Pitch Black when he's shaving his head. I think that's what it would be like all the time. <laughs> or Woody Harrelson in War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, he'd sort of wander <laughs> out and yeah, and be like, "This will be a planet of apes." Anyway. Um, uh. Yes, what else have we got to say? Um, who's your favourite character and why is it Saru? Yeah, he's alright. Saru's <laughs> the best, my God. But I will say this, the um, actor, what's his name, Doug Jones? Yes. I'm excited because he's coming, he's going to be um, Count Orloff in a Nosferatu movie coming out later this year. <laughs> oh, from the, is that from the guy who made The Witch? Is it that No, guy? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think that's been made yet. Oh. No, this is from some guy called David Lee Fisher, who, yeah, like who has, um, who directed the cap, the cabinet of Doctor Calgary in two thousand and five. Yeah, so yeah. he's pretty much just trying to redo the old one, yeah. and that's all he's done. Doug Jones <laughs> is also, I mean, he's done a bunch of motion capture, I believe. I think. Um, he was Abe Sapien in the first yeah. Hellboy and maybe the second Hellboy. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, and he is in the um, the Shape of Water. Oh, is he? Oh, that I'm looking forward to that. The new he he he's the he's the guy in the in the glass cage thing. Oh, okay, good. Right. He's the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Saru, fantastic. Um. Yes, I think it's interesting to note that I mean, I mean the banter I think in the first two episodes between uh, Saru and Michael Burnham and Captain Shoujo is wonderful fun. It's fantastic. Mm. It's maybe not the most on point. They're not exactly the old Gonkin Circle, but my God, it's so much fun and it's it's really really good. And I'm kind of worried that I mean now after the after the events of episode three. Um, I feel like the characters are going to have to work to get back to that point. He and Burnham are going to have to sort of rebuild this friendship. And that I just want that to be over. Like, I want them to be back to being friends and having this sort of arguing and pushing each other aside at the console and saying, like, noodles and, and, and all that stuff. And I feel like that's going to take a little while. Like, it has to take a while to be yeah. convincing, but I don't want it to. I just want I was to say, I'm pretty sure it has to take a while. You can't really forgive Mutiny and she, her starting the war and blowing up the ship and killing the, the captain <laughs> overnight. Really, it's going to happen. I mean, it has to at some point. I mean, it has to basically be how this concludes eventually. At some point, they're going to have to get back to that. Well, he recommended her for that mission, so he's like, yeah, she's great. Except for Mutiny, she's the, she's the tops. Um... So, yeah, I, I don't know if he's... I don't think I've seen enough to have a favourite character yet. Um, I'm very intrigued by uh, the Captain Walker because I just want to see what he's up to. And now he's got this monster in a cage, which is always fun. That always works out well on contained spaceships. Yes, it works out well on the other one. <laughs> um... Yeah, and he has a pet tribble, which I find fascinating. 
Um, if you're a nerd playing at home, on his desk is a is a and you can hear it making annoying pigeon sounds. Uh, um, he has a pet tribble on his desk, which seems kind of cutesy until you realise like how does he keep just one tribble without it multiplying ridiculously? And that's kind of terrifying that he has the power to keep a single Trifford, tri single tribble, not a Trifford. He may have a Trifford as well. Um, on his desk outside a cage and the ship isn't infested. I don't know what superpowers he has, but my God, he can control life itself. <sighs> I have no idea what you just said. Uh, <laughs> do you know what a Tribble is at all? No. You know, do you know it's a thing? No, I'll Google it later. Yeah, look it up later, because it's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, not hilarious, but it was a pretty good episode, because they threw stuff at Shatner. Um, anyway, yes. Um, what did you... Uh, what else? What else? That's a lot of noise. <laughs> yeah, making a lot of noise, thinking noises. Cadet Tilly! What did you think of Cadet Tilly? Uh, the new character introduced in season, in episode three, who is... Uh, space cadet on the USS Discovery. Yeah, she's annoying, but um, granted, she's supposed to be annoying. Uh, no, I don't think she is. I think she's kind of she's an awkward teen, awkward space teen. You think she's hot, don't you? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, sounds like you got the Jones in for her. You dug Jones in for her. Uh, Good lord. <laughs> no, she she was fine. I don't know, I didn't really enjoy the rambling and the overexcited. And then the deceit. You can't sit here, we have assigned seats. Oh wait, yeah you can. Sorry. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know. She she's she's still gotta win me over. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's I guess it's interesting to see a character who is... I mean, we've typically seen that the Starfleet people are the best of the best and they're ultra-competent. Um, and when they're not, they're people like Barclay in uh, TNG and Voyager, who is interesting but so overacted that he's, he, he looks like he needs to be medicated. Like, and I don't mean that in as like a joke. Like, Barclay, Dwight Schultz is... Dwight Schultz? Yeah, Dwight Schultz is performance as Barclay, he seems to have a serious mental illness and should not be really in charge of things on a spaceship. Um, but here we're kind of seeing someone who, um, uh, they're, they're competent, but still kind of awkward and have human flaws um, that aren't sort of deep grain, deep, deeply, hugely problematic, like mutiny. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how this character goes. It very much feels like a riff on the concept of a Mary Sue, which is interesting given that that concept comes from Star Trek fan fiction and is very much some kind of Federation cadet uh, concept. So it'll be interesting to see how what they do there. Maybe she's a villain secretly. Maybe she'll be ruthless. We know she wants to become captain someday, so maybe she'll she'll betray everyone to get that. I don't know. But I do, I like as well that we have a, a female character who has a fuller figure and realistic skin blemishes. She has a bit of acne and so forth. It's good that that's on TV. Um, yeah, there's a lot of diversity in here. Um, uh, in what sense? In every sense. You got plenty of um, women of color, very strong women 
Um, very yes, strong women throughout it, um, as opposed to lots and lots of white guys standing around the starship. <laughs> lots and lots of middle-aged white guys commanding. Um, yeah, it's it's going to return to being very diverse, and while that's true and what it should be, it's mostly the case in the original series. Nineties Trek. Uh, I mean it. It tried, it, and it definitely had that element, but it was not as strong. And it's kind of mm. good to see them go back to this. It's really good to see two women of colour as the spaceship command crew and sort of arguing but, about serious issues, but still basically being friends um, and knowing the difference between those two things. That's fantastic. Um, so that's really, really great. Um, in addition to that, I like all the space aliens. I quite liked... Um, sort of Art Deco robot guy and that sort of Jeff Koons daft punk head lady and all the space aliens on the bridge. It's fantastic. Yeah, I don't remember them. <laughs> they didn't have a lot to do. <laughs> but it's, good, it's, it's good that they're there. It's interesting that, yes, we're finally at a point where, I mean, Klingons aside... We have the special effects to do something more than putting goop on people's foreheads and saying, "Yep, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Cardassian." There you go. It's totally different from a, I don't know, whatever Jason Alexander was in that one episode. It, yep, all different kinds of space dudes. Um, they're actually different and have different things going on. It's real good, and I like it a lot. I really did like those creatures on the planet. Um, on the desert planet. Oh, How good did they look? Yeah. That was real cool. And it looked like, I don't know if it was, but it looked like practical effects. Like, it, it didn't look all CGI and stuff, except for, like, the tentacle bit. But, um, like, when he's sitting there and his head pokes out and he drinks the water and that, he felt real, and I reckon... If they went back there, I'd like to see what they're like of a night time because now I've got in my head that they're nice and placid during the day drinking their water and have been family. But of a night time, they get really, really creepy um, and quite uh, dangerous. So I'd like to see them go back to that planet of a night time and get overrun by these very creepy tentacle people. Yeah. I don't know how many space aliens we'll see. Um... Or... Four? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it, it's interesting that yeah, have since episode three is very much a second pilot. Um, we don't really know for sure what the structure of this series is going to be. Whether it's going to be purely arc-driven episodes, or um, if they're going to have some standalone stories about all the experiments that can go on on the Discovery. Um, I mean, they can have what three hundred science missions going on at once so i don't know if we're just gonna sort of spend time with one of those each week or just deal with the space insect uh fast travel yeah or what um be good to see i understand that i think i've seen a, a random tweet from someone on the production team saying that yes it's going to be um it's going. There's going to be a few standalone episodes, so I think that'll be good. It'll be good to see. Just it'll be good to see. It means that the series can cover more ideas by doing that rather than having to 
sort of focused on one concept ultimately and reach one conclusion about it, we can uh, see a few different things. I think that'll mm. be good. That'll be good, for, and that'll make for good for Star Trek at the very least. And it'll get Burnham out of the out of her um, quarters, confined quarters, unless she's doing a mission. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I guess now we have to. Think about is she going to what is the end game here is she going to become a captain finally does she want does she think she deserves to be or want to be a captain how is that going to change um well, i don't see what a happy ending for this would be which is not to say it necessarily means a happy, it needs a happy ending or will have one or should have one i just don't understand like, but they've presumably got to work towards one and I don't know what that would be apart from ending the war um, yeah so it'll be interesting to see yeah I don't know how that's going to play out if she becomes captain before cadet Pippi Longstockings that's going to piss her off <laughs> True. And, but I, I think I mean if we're going to see it so yeah uh, Jason Isaacs Captain Lorca and uh his hanger on Commander Landry, Commander Landry. Uh, yeah. They're kind of villainous, so presumably they'll be, in all likelihood, they'll be defeated at some point, and someone else will have to become the captain of something. I'm hoping that's Saru. I mean, it's clearly it clearly should be him, right? It probably should be, um, but does he have the balls to be a captain well like, yeah i mean he was going to, i reckon so i mean he was he's he's second in command already so he's pretty much there yeah he's pretty much there but he um he, he even said he's their primary like his species knows when to run away because there's danger so let's all just run away i mean it's not a bad, it's not a bad solution it's not really Star Trek. -y. Well, <laughs> Something's gonna happen. Let's go. <laughs> Get out of here. Get the spaceship out of here. <laughs> We're not dealing with stuff. Um, yeah, so I don't know if he's got it to be captain. Honestly, from what we've seen. Fallen. I mean, he wasn't like all panicky in the first in uh, Battle of the Binary Stars when they were kind of drifting into an asteroid field with no power. He was doing pretty well there, so I reckon he could he could be a rad captain. All right, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that. Okay. <laughs> From there, well, it's, it's only been three episodes. He might he might grow a backbone. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Lorca at least is a lot more complex than what we've seen. And I mean, we kind of know that he he's very driven. Um, and is doing some unethical things for what he thinks are the right reasons. So I'm hoping they're a bit cleverer with that than just you. You're wrong, and uh, and, uh, and dark stuff. And let's fight him in the corridors. And ooh, and then he gets eaten by one of his own space monsters. I'm hoping it's a lot more complex and interesting than that. Oh, let's have a great. Oh, you can go and watch. I don't know. Um, Anything ever. Uh, Resident Evil 4, I think that happens. You can go and watch that. All right, I I won't be doing that. Oh, you should. It's good. Resident right. Evil. Oh. They're great. They're the best. 
Underworld is so much better than Resident Evil. Anyway. That's not what we're here to discuss. It is <laughs> we're not, not um, going to get into a vampire versus zombie debate. <laughs> no, we cannot. Um, <laughs> what else? Have you got any nitpicks you need me to explain? I can I can try and explain stuff. No, I think I'm I think I'm handling it all right. Um, yes, I just yeah keep up with the dark tone. Can't wait for Walker and the shenanigans to get out. Are you are you excited for the next episode? The butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Oh, that's a lot of words. That is a great title. I want that to be wrote on my tombstone. <laughs> but you're not a butcher. I mean, well, I've got years to change that. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. Well, then I've got years to change that. Uh, yes, you can embark upon a, a. You've still got time to embark upon a career as a butcher uh, to ensure that you the tombstone engraving that you want is relevant. That's going to cost a bucket load, all those letters. <laughs> Do they charge by the letter? I don't know. I think so. I think it's like a newspaper. Uh, <laughs> the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Yes. I like it. Mm. That yes. might be my new motto. I do. I really like that. <laughs> I guess but we'll see, to... we can see that in that title there. We're continuing down a dark path here. Yeah, and I don't know if it's going to be all cranky and weird. Who knows? Anyway. Yes, so that's out Monday, isn't it? Monday evening at 8 o'clock, our time. Five, my time. Oh, six. Okay. Six, my time. Which, which is, yeah, eight o'clock my time, I think. Uh, eight <laughs> o'clock, eight p.m. Yeah, it's in it's interesting. We should note something else. Um, we're in Australia and New Zealand, so we don't have to watch CBS All Access. And um, when we, it's just on Netflix here. And when it starts, it comes, it starts with a little, you know, uh, a plate that says uh, a Netflix TV series. Um, hmm. so it'll be interesting to see if this, how uh, the different distribution methods of this affect it going forward. Because if it's not too successful on CBS All Access, which is what a lot of people in the states have been complaining about, that they have to um, that they have to subscribe to a new service um, in order to see Star Trek Discovery, but um, is successful on Netflix, is successful everywhere else in the world. It'll be interesting to see how that affects the production, whether it's um, presuming for argument's sake that it doesn't succeed on CBS All Access, whether the production would still go forward um, as a Netflix show, because CBS would still get residuals, I would imagine, in that case, and how that would affect um, how it's sold uh, and how it's made, whether it would be as American-centric as it previously has been, uh, but isn't so much at this point. Um, and what that might look like for future Star Trek. It'll be interesting to see. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Hmm. But we'll have to see. But anyway, I guess I guess that's all we have to say uh, on the subject of Star Trek Discovery uh, here at uh, Science Fiction Double Feature. So shall we wrap it up? Yeah, I'm having a stretch. Oh, oh. There you go, some fantastic audio for you at home. Uh, oh, good. 
what are we? Uh, yeah, we're, we're science fiction double feature podcast. Uh, you can find uh, find our main blog at uh, sfdfmoviereviews.tumblr.com. You can find us on Twitter at sfdfmoviereview, singular. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash sfdfmoviereviews. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, we're at soundcloud.com slash sfdf. Uh, where or wherever good SoundClouds are found. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Just search SFDF on iTunes. Um, uh, we're on YouTube somewhere, but I don't know where. Um, and you can email us at space no one, at uh, inspacenoonecaneateicecream at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to find links to all these things I just said and uh, other stuff, other good stuff, it's down the uh, right side of the main blog, which again is uh, sfdfmoviereviews.tumblr.com. All right, so I guess that's it from us. Um, I'm going to go and get some pizza um, at nine o'clock in the morning. That's not strictly accurate. I'm going to do some other stuff first. Um, but I'm going to go get a pizza. Um, so, yes, I guess uh, say goodbye, Terry. Goodbye, Terry. All right, bye, everybody. Bye.